Good morning. Y'all made it this morning. I am impressed. Uh, the roads were still a little sketch. Still a little sketch. Uh, did anybody uh, put their car off the road at some point this week, this weekend? Uh-huh. Yeah, I see I see those hands. Uh -huh. That's, that's my, the Baptist coming out. I see hands everywhere. <laughs> see that hand? Um, man, we were, uh, we were just singing, and uh, I felt like God, I was just interacting with, with, with God during that time, and I just, uh, hearing your voices, um, the, the, the worship team, uh, Micah and the team leading us this morning, um, and, and I felt like God say, uh, tell my people that I love them. And I, and I, so sometimes when I'm like trying to listen to God or I feel like he says something, I'm like, all right, but Lord, is that you or is that like me? And so I literally, literally said that. I was like, whoa, wait, like, you really want me to say that? Or is that just like me, like, you know, feeling? And, and God said, do I tell you that a lot? And I was like, mm, yeah, you do. <laughs> and he's like, well, don't you think that that's probably my voice then? I was like, yeah, probably your voice. And so you need to know this morning, God sees you and he loves you. And for those of you that are uh, watching us online, and I'm sure it's a bunch of y'all, he sees you too. And he loves you. And I think that God just wanted to remind us uh, of that this morning. Tis the season, friends. Uh, now, some of y'all are about to hate on me because I'm going to start talking a little bit about Christmas. And uh, those of you that are like Thanksgiving first, no Christmas until after, I'm sorry. You're just going to have to deal with it. But like, tis the season because do you know what's coming up? It's actually Jordan's favorite day of the year. It's not Thanksgiving. It's not Christmas. It's not Christmas Eve or even New Year's Eve, Jordan's favorite day of the entire year is Black Friday. <laughs> He's not going to be happy that I just told you all that, but it's true. This dude's been getting up at like 2 in the morning for like the last 20 years and like camping out at places. Uh, now with online, maybe he's not doing it quite as much, but it has me thinking. Not only that, but like Black Friday uh, officially started June 22nd this year. <laughs> Just kidding. But it feels like that, doesn't it? Like they got Black Friday sales happening for like the last month. The average uh, household, here's some factoids for you, spends about $1,500 a little over, actually, on Christmas every year. 32.8 million real Christmas trees were sold during last year's Christmas season. Uh, men, check this out. 50% of women, actually a little bit over 50%, uh, would like jewelry for Christmas. Gentlemen, pay attention. Uh, ladies, uh, a third of all men would actually prefer... A gift card. <laughs> now y'all know. I'm just saying. All right. 62% um, of all Americans do all of their Christmas shopping on the last week before Christmas. 22% expect to go into debt for Christmas gifts this year. 54% of people and it's actually 57% of men and 51% of women, buy themselves gifts during the Christmas season. 
66% of Christmas shoppers, listen to this, will spend more for a sustainable product. Uh, actually, 87% of Gen Z is willing to spend more on a sustainable product. 75% of millennials are willing, 62% of Gen X, and even 51% of baby boomers. That's where we get the, the young are actually leading us in this, and that's actually pretty cool. If you have your Bibles today, I'd love you to open up to James chapter 4. Maybe you're wondering what in the world was that about. Uh, we'll kind of get to that in a minute, but James chapter 4, we're actually going to start in verse 13. We're going to read straight through to chapter 5, verse 6. In our Bibles, it's broken up into two sections. In fact, uh, not only is it two sections, but we actually have it in like two different chapters, um, but they're actually linked together. There's some connection here that I think James intends for us to see. Um, maybe God wanted me to tell you that he loved you this morning. Uh, because this is actually the harshest, I feel like I say this every week, but this is actually the harshest words that James has in the entire letter that he writes. And remember, okay, I often say James says this, but this is not James, this is actually God's word. These are the things that the Holy Spirit intended for not just the folks then, but us now as followers of Jesus to hear. So uh, we're going to hear them. This morning, James chapter 4, starting in verse 13. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we'll, we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. <laughs> why do, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? What's your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. It's the kind of connecting verse. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted. Moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Merry Christmas. Um, there's two sections here, but they are connected to each other because they both have to do uh, with wealth, how we earn it, how we use it. Uh, the first section... Um, the end of chapter four is really kind of describing traveling merchants, okay? Now, uh, we have to remember a couple of things. Number one, James is a, uh, a form of wisdom literature, okay? So when James is writing things, he's telling us about things that are generally true, not always true, but generally true, the way that God's world works, the way it was designed. Uh, the other thing that's important for us to understand is the culture to which James was writing. It is genuinely very different from our culture when it comes to the economics, 
okay? Uh, in uh, ancient Roman society, uh, you had about, I don't know, 80 to 90% of all of the Roman Empire's uh, value was held by uh, less than one-tenth of 1% 1 of the population, okay? Uh, the other 20, 10% or whatever was basically held by about the next uh, 7 to 8% of the population. Um, about 10% of the population owned pretty much everything. And then the rest, 90%, were basically uh, working class poor. There really wasn't a, a middle class at the time. Um, you just had the ultra wealthy and everybody else. And so uh, James writes this, and he kind of speaks to um, the, the 8%. These are traveling merchants, folks that have the means, the ability to go like, yeah, yeah, we're going to... We're going to pop on over to Ephesus for a year, do some trading, show off my new, you know, B phone. I don't know. They didn't have iPhones, so whatever they had back there. They, they, they're, the thing that they're going to, I know, sorry, Pastor Joe, it was, should have scripted that one, hey? But they're going to do their trading, and uh, they're like, yo, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to make some bank, it's going to be awesome. And, and, and James comes along and says, that what they're doing is actually uh, thinking that they get to control the future. Thinking that they're the ones that actually generate the income, the resources that they have. And James says, you're a fool. You keep talking about what you're going to do. You don't even know if you're going to live tomorrow. You keep talking about the things that you're going to do. You're not even acknowledging that it is God who's given you the ability to be able to do it. Now, now the, the straight up uh, butt kicking that happens in Chapter 5, he moves from kind of a, that 8, 9% of the pop to the, like, the ultra-rich. Um, these are uh, wealthy oppressors, all right? And uh, it, it feels straight up like Old testament -y, doesn't it? Like, it's a prophet saying, look, you need to understand what's coming because of the way that you have acted, have seen people as objects. They think that what they have is for their use and their use only. The power that they have is spent on themselves. The strength that they have is spent on themselves rather than on others. And God doesn't play with that. Um, 4.17, the very end of chapter 4, before we move into chapter 5, that, that's actually kind of the link verse, all right? Uh, that's where he says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin for them. That's something that we're going to kind of hold on to. We'll come back to that uh, a little bit later. Uh, some commentators actually think that when James writes this, as you remember, we, he takes a lot of stuff from Proverbs and he takes a lot of stuff from Jesus' teaching. Uh, some commentators think that he's actually, James, pulling from a teaching that Jesus gave in Luke chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, you can flip back over there. Uh, we're going to take a quick look at that. Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 16, says, And Jesus told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. He had too much. Barns were already full. He said, Then he said, This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This it will be 
this is how it will be with those, uh, with whoever, sorry, stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. So James comes and he kind of lays the wood to all of us. Um, there's not a whole lot to parse. There's not like some secret hidden nugget in the, in the verses that like I'm going to pull out and be like, ah, and what he's really trying to get at was this. No, no this is kind of just a straight up butt kicking. It, it, it is what it is. So I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time this morning saying like, hey, let me explain like, well, this word kind of meant that or really what he's kind of... I think what God said is we're just supposed to get right into the application. What does this mean for us? And I think that there's three levels of application this morning. Uh, The first level, I think, is probably going to apply the least, okay? But level one is simply this. When you earn money in whatever way you work, do you think it's because of your great plans and hard work for you to use as you wish? This is kind of level one application for the first chunk, those traveling merchants, those, those folks who think like, yeah, man, I'm the one who does it. I got the good plans. I'm gonna go over here, make some money. It's my hard work. It's my ingenuity. It's my ability to kind of make this thing or that thing happen. And God's like, no, 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 no. I gave you everything. Everything that you have, whether it's your brains, your hard work, your perseverance, your connections, what you started with, what you have, your abilities, all of those things, I've given those to you. James and Jesus make it really, really clear that God's the one who gives us everything. So we don't actually own anything. We are stewards of God's stuff. Psalm Chapter 24, verse 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. We have to make sure that we learn this lesson quick. Everything we have is a gift that's been given to us, but God is the one who actually owns it. We are stewarding these things for God. Your finances, your time, your skills and abilities, your connections, all of that comes from God. Uh, Level One for the second half, starting in chapter five, is simply this. Are you employing others, okay? Do you have some say in their employment employment and pay? So uh, there are some of us in this room, we have the ability to hire and determine pay for others. That's probably not most of you, okay? But there are some of us in this room that we have that ability. We have to make sure that we are treating those individuals fairly by God's standard. Key right there, okay? Not by the world's or America's standard, but by God's standard. And I know that sometimes it's like, man, that's kind of difficult to like, what do you mean God's standard? How do I, I can't answer that question perfectly for you, okay? This is the WWYPJ. What would you pay Jesus? Question, all right? Start wearing the bracelet. I'm gonna be selling them for. I'm just kidding. What would you like? But for real, if you're hiring somebody, I want you to think of it as if I was hiring Jesus, or if I was hiring Mary, Jesus' mom, to do some work for me or my company. Would God the Father think that I was paying them fairly? I think it's a legit question to ask. I don't think that there is a 
perfect answer for it, but I do think it is an answer that anyone who has the privilege and responsibility of being in a place of power where you get to hire and set salaries should ask. It's a good question. How much would you pay Jesus or Mary if they worked for you? Now, I know that that's probably not most of you. Some of y'all are in college, like, yeah, yeah, like, that's so far. Like, that's okay. Uh, James is railing against two types of folks that uh, one's probably a little bit more relatable to us, where we can sometimes think, well, it's our hard work, our ingenuity, our intelligence, our whatever that has kind of gotten us what we want. We got to make sure we don't do that. Then there's this other side. It's like rich oppressors, people who are literally just taking advantage of uh, people who have less power than them, and they're able to do it because they have more power. This one feels a little bit less like most of us in this room. I literally don't know a single rich oppressor in here. (laughs) I have not met one, okay? Hope we never do. But we still need to pay attention, look at it. But there is a second level that I think we can't miss that I think is going to be more widely applicable to us. The second level for each to think about is what does our role as generally wealthy individuals require of us as we consider the systems, either economic or political, that we participate in? We are in the season of gift giving. You will probably spend more money in this next month than most of the other months of the year. We buy gifts for people we love and others, uh, friends, family, and uh, this is an opportunity for us to pay attention to how we engage with our role in the systems. Um, I will tell you, I have had a fairly... uh, I had a few days this week that were just genuinely uncomfortable for me. And you might feel the same uncomfortability a little bit uh, in these next couple of minutes, but I think that it's important for us to pay attention to. Um, How many of you will probably buy something from a store that is in a mall? Most of us. Almost every store in the Woodland Mall or Tanger, Tanger, Tanya, I don't know how you say that name, outlet, almost every store um, has a less than ethical track record of how supply chain workers are treated. You can look it up. Some are better than others, but almost every major store and brand that you would generally go to do Christmas shopping for buying clothes um, has a track record of some pretty kind of despicable stuff. Uh, Maybe the brand themselves didn't actually do it, but within the supply chain that they knew that they were using, they would often turn a blind eye. Uh, That kind of began to change uh, about in the last five to ten years because uh, more and more consumer advocacy groups have actually begun to do some expose work, some uh, uh, work in paying attention to how it affects the environment, how it affects uh, um, labor uh, in other countries. And so uh, some uh, brands have actually begun to change. But this is every single brand um, that you know about. This is Nike, Adidas, Gap, with all their subsidiaries, Old Navy, Banana Republic, H&M, L.L. Bean, Victoria's Secret, Hollis, I mean, you name it. 
pretty much every single one at the mall. Uh, a number of companies have actually started to make some progress. Okay, uh, Nike and Adidas, H&M, believe it or not, has actually begun to make some progress. Uh, others, though, have not. Gap still has a terrible uh, track record. Um, online retailer Sheen, Abercrombie, Vicky Secret, New Balance, those are actually ones that, uh, since they... <laughs> Y'all ain't never called it that? Come on now. Uh, they're not actually getting better. What do we, as followers of Christ, who hear the word of God from the pen of James, do with the fact that wealthy oppressors are responsible? What do we do with the fact that we may unwittingly, naively, possibly unknowingly, actually are a part of a system that is exploiting Jesus and Mary. Um, simply buying high-end clothes doesn't actually help. Prada, Louis Vuitton, Tom Ford, Hugo Boss, they all actually have worse ratings than H&M. This is also true of electronics. The TVs, phones that we often buy, the different uh, appliances. It's true of food as well. All of the basic human needs that we all have. Um, listen to this quote by Dr. Martha Moore Keish. She says, in the United States, for instance, it's difficult to read this passage and not think of the lives of migrant farm workers, both documented and undocumented. The agriculture industry currently depends on immigrant labor, primarily from Mexico and Central America, to harvest produce. Because repeated studies have demonstrated that even unemployed American workers will not do this work. These migrant labors are subject to brutal hours, low pay, and sometimes slavery-like conditions because of the demands for affordable produce in the American grocery store. She says, how do these workers hear James when he calls out, listen? The wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You, in this context, does not only name isolated managers and farm owners, but the systems that support low wages and unjust working conditions. Does everyone feel a little bit beat up right now? like I did all week, really trying to think about this. What should we do? Um, do you want to know the truth? I'm not 100% sure. This is a hard, difficult, complex issue. What I am 100% sure about is that I can no longer turn a blind eye and simply say I never knew. Now, I'm sorry. You're like, man, I showed up on a snow, crazy driving day to come to church just so that I could no longer turn a blind eye to this. Man, dang it. This is the one you got showed I knew it. We should have stayed home, honey. I do think that there's something here that God wants to say to us in how we engage with our consumerism, with our spending practices. 
even the important necessary things that we all need to live. So I'm going to give you two things that I think can at least begin to help us as we take this journey together. Number one, uh, there's an app called goodonyou.eco, goodonyou.eco, okay? Uh, this app is something you can download on your phone or just look it up online. It will actually show you uh, the vast majority of brands from places that we generally shop at and will give kind of a rating on kind of where they're at. So you can see H&M says it's a start, all right? H&M has actually moved. Not all of them say that. Uh, some will just flat out, if it, they give you one star for, for the things that they look at, they will just say, don't buy. Uh, the other is um, not good enough. That's where uh, Gap and New Bounce keep sitting. I was bummed. I was like, man, I figured Nike was going to be there. Nike is in like, uh, they're in the, uh, it's a start. Long way to go. Not a good rating. I had just bought some New Bounce a few weeks ago, and I was like, I bet they're going to be good, because like, you know, nope. Um, there's also another one. It's a website that's called knowthechain.org, knowthechain.org. Uh, this actually tracks companies in three different sectors. This is apparel, footwear, uh, electronics, apparel and footwear, electronics, and then food and beverage. So they actually track kind of three of the major areas that we engage with and need to, all right? And all that they're actually looking at is how the supply chain uh, connects with or addresses forced labor, okay? It's one of the reasons that I like this one because they help to kind of uh, shed light uh, on different organizations. And as light has been shed, organizations have begun to make changes. It's a good thing. And as followers of Christ who want to make sure that we are not complicit in the wealthy oppressing the poor, because I promise you, the cries of the poor reach the ears of God, and God does not play around in his care for the poor. That we have an opportunity for us to say, God, how do I engage with this? What am I supposed to do? We still need clothes. We all don't have massive amounts of money, but maybe, maybe we don't need as many as we have. Maybe we can invest in something that's more sustainable or that is more ethical in the way that, and there are a lot of companies out there. They're not all the companies that you know. They're not household name brands always, but there are things that we can do. Now that we know this information, unfortunately, we can no longer turn a blind eye. And with Christmas coming, this is actually an opportunity for us to take a small step. Uh, Austin and I were talking this morning. He's like, hey, man, here's one of the, the things that I struggle with at times, though. Second you start talking about this stuff, it feels so over you feel overwhelmed. Like, what, what can I do about this? It's like global. What am I? So and sometimes when we feel that overwhelmed, like, man, it doesn't even matter what I do or don't do. We can just kind of like say, er, I guess, like, I'll just go on as I normally have. I don't think we have permission by God to do that. I think, though, this gets back to asking, what's the next right thing I can do? I don't know that you have to, that you can literally go from zero to 100. But what's the next step? Uh, Austin and Olivia, one of the things that, that they actually work at, uh, we, were, we were talking about this the last few weeks, is trying to buy secondhand when they can. I can too. You can as well. Not in everything, but in some things we can. Um, we can pay attention to the brands that we shop and do a little bit of research. 
And ask myself the question, do I feel okay and how much do I feel okay with? Google companies that do things well spend a little bit more money on those. Um, the last thing, though, that I think that we need to do, and this gets into the kind of the third level of the application that I think is for all of us, is we need to pay attention to how we engage with our money. Okay? Scripture tells us that if we want to avoid the pitfalls of the arrogant and oppressive wealthy, then we need to learn how to give generously and sacrificially. Look at what 1 Timothy 6.10 says, the love of money, what is at the root of all kinds of evil. Not money, the love of money. That's what's at the root of the evil oppressor, of the one who is arrogant enough to think that they made it all happen, that they did it all themselves. It was their hard work. Matthew 6, 21, Jesus reminds us, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. If we give our lives to God, it means that he gets our wallets and our calendars too. So, if you want to curb selfishness, self-centeredness, and greed in your life, we have to be people who practice sacrificial generosity. Um, look, I know a lot of pastors don't like talking about money. I am not one of those pastors. I got no problem talking about money. Do you know why I'm not afraid to talk about money? Because I know that I would be doing you a massive disservice if one of the biggest pot potential idols in your life, if I never addressed it, if I never talked about it, what kind of a pastor would do that? What kind of a pastor would, would see that there is literally a cliff that drops thousands of feet and never tell the sheep that they have the privilege of caring for about the cliff? Like, yo, yo, I, I, they'll figure it out. No, heck no. I'm gonna tell them like, yo, yo, get away. <laughs> that will kill you. That will mess you up. So I have no problem talking about money. I think it's a privilege. Part of the reason that I think it's a privilege is because I've seen what God's done in my own life. Now, trust me, I don't have it all together. I'm still working. There are times when I still feel incredibly self-centered, incredibly selfish, and God's like, hey, 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 T, we gotta pay attention to this, right? Idols don't just like get taken care of one time for all. Usually they're the kind of thing you gotta keep paying attention to. But I have found in my own life that when I have pursued God with generosity, with sacrificial, gen that God blesses that. The reason I like talking about money is actually because I want you to experience what I've experienced. The thing about idols is they enslave you. When you start to talk about them, when you start to move away from them and move into what God has for you, then you no longer become a slave to those things, worrying about it all the time, making all kinds of decisions, bad decisions often, because of that thing. And God's like, yo, 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 I want to bless you. I'm going to give you what you need. You don't have to freak out and worry about it. And so when we start to talk about it, I actually think that all kinds of wonderful, beautiful things begin to happen. So what I'd like to do is just kind of close with four quick principles from God's word on how we're to engage with money. If we don't want to become the wealthy oppressor, God wants to start by changing our hearts and how we engage. If you don't love money, you'll never have to worry about being a wealthy oppressor. Four biblical principles. Number one, you don't own it. 
We already talked about this, Psalm 24, 1. But 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 12 through 14. King David reminded Israel of this, and we need to hear it as well. Wealth and honor come from you, David says, talking about God. God, you are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this, he says. Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Friends, we don't own anything. Whatever you have, all right? If you grew up wealthy, if you earned something, if you had the privilege of going to college, if you knew somebody that helped you get your first job, if you've had connections, all right? Uh, if you're just really smart and you've been gifted with a great mind or you just got hustle, like, you know, every single one of those things is a gift from God. And whatever he has given you through that gift is not simply for you, it's actually for you to steward. He owns it. Number two, God is generous, and he wants to do two things with his generosity. The first thing he wants to do with the generosity that he has given to you, the gifts he's given to you, he wants you to stink and enjoy them. You don't have to feel bad about having what you have. You should enjoy it. Ladies, you got a purse that you really like? God gave it to you. It's his. It ain't yours. But you like wearing that thing? Wear that bad boy. You know what I'm saying? Enjoy it. It's okay. The other thing, though, is that we're supposed to use those gifts that God has given us to enjoy also to be generous to others. This is straight out of 1 Timothy chapter 6. Listen to these words. He says, teach those who are rich in this world. That's you and I. That is every single person in this place. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money. It's so unreliable. They should trust, or their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need. Why? Why? Say it. You need to say it. You need to hear that. You need to believe that. Everything you've been given, you're supposed to enjoy. God gave it to you to enjoy, all right? But not only to enjoy, we keep reading. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Remember what Jesus said? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Yes. Number three, you cannot outgive God. You'll never outgive God. Look, I'm just... I know this sounds like a, a, like a Sunday school cliche. I'm living proof, and I know a whole bunch of folks in this place. I have very rarely tried to, but in the few off times that I've tried to outgive God, I've never been able to, ever. God has always gifted me more than I could even hope or imagine. And it is my privilege to be able to give a portion back to him and not just like a little tip off the edge, like, oh, I got some extra, like, here you go. Like the ability to sit down and, and say, God, uh, I'm going to give you this. And I'm going to sacrifice some of this so that you can have even more. Why? I've never been able to outgive God ever, 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 ever in my life. And you will not be able to either. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Hear that? If you're starting to feel like, oh, T's pressuring me, I gotta, no, that's not why you're supposed to give. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will, check it, 
check it, listen to this. God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Fourth thing, when you give to God's church, lives are changed. Acts chapter two, verses 44 to 47. This is talking about when the early church first started gathering together. This is all the believers met together in one place, shared everything they had, sold property, possessions, shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Now look, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Last week, there were eight individuals who either recommitted their lives to Christ or gave their lives to Christ for the first time. Do you know why eight lives began to be transformed last week? Because of the generosity of people at Central Wesleyan who invested to plant this church and because of the generosity of each of you in this room that have been seeing the work of the ministry continue on. Lives are being transformed. Look, I'm telling you, that's laying up treasure in heaven where moth and rust won't uh, destroy it. I want treasure in heaven. I'm glad that I have the privilege, my family has the privilege of investing in the ministry of this church so that more people can experience the transformational power of Jesus Christ. Friends, when you give, it makes a difference. Lives literally get changed. Here in this room and all around Grand Rapids, I don't know, we need to figure out what it is, but uh, in the last five years, over $100,000 that we have reinvested back into our city because of the way that we want to love and care for the people of this place, to let them know that Jesus Christ actually makes a difference in our lives and their lives. And we want to continue to see that happen. All right. I'm closing right here. James is a man of action. All right. He always has been, always will be. He wants to see us get at it. And he's not interested in us just simply looking in the mirror and walking away and forgetting who we, uh, what we look like. He wants us to be not just hearers of the word, but doers as well. So we're going to close right now. I just want you to take a second and close your eyes. I'm going to give you one minute to just simply sit with God and ask him if there is something, just pick one thing that he wants you to do with this word that you have heard today. Okay. Maybe it has something to do with uh, what you're going to spend this Christmas or where you're going to shop or how you're going to engage with your own giving and generosity. Whatever it is, I just want you to sit. I'm going to give you one minute. You're going to sit with God. At the end of that minute, this is the challenge by choice. I'm going to ask you to share what that one thing is with someone you came with or someone sitting next to you as a form of accountability. And it's a challenge by choice. So if you don't want to do it, you can simply say, I'm still listening. Go ahead and close your eyes and sit with God. Slowly begin to come back. Challenge by choice. But when God speaks to us, and just shares a word. It's often good to have the accountability of shit telling someone else. And so if you're willing, I want you to turn to the person next to you, whoever you came with, and share what that one thing is. Or uh, you can just tell them, I'm still listening. And they will know. Go ahead, I'm going to give you a second to do that. <laughs> 